Many of you are familiar with this story. This story needs a little bit of context, if you just give me a few minutes. The people of Israel are descendants of a man named Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. And Abraham is found in the early chapters of the book of Genesis. And when you look in the story of Abraham, the Bible lets us know that one day in Genesis chapter 12 that God interrupts the story of Abraham and says to him, he looks at Abraham and he tells him that I'm going to do something significant through you. He tells Abraham that I'm going to make a nation come out of you. And he tells Abraham that I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. He tells Abraham that I'm going to make your name great. He tells him that I'm going to bless those who bless you and I'm going to curse those who curse you. Abraham is a significant figure in the Bible. In fact, they call him the patriarch of faith, Abraham. Well, Abraham has a son named Isaac. And Isaac has a son named Jacob. That's why you hear throughout the Bible that he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's interesting to watch the lifestyle and the, the turn of events of these three individuals because as time progresses, we find that, that Jacob uh, is a little different than Isaac and a little different than Abraham. Abraham didn't have uh, a model to follow. Abraham was just a man of faith, and he just did what he knew to do and followed God the best he knew how and did it like perfect, almost perfect, passing score. Then there was Isaac who was real he, was, he didn't cause many issues. He just kind of stayed with it and, and followed the path of his father. And, and then there was Jacob. Jacob, that's not his testimony. Uh, Jacob, like you and me, it didn't come as natural to, Abra to, to Jacob as it came to Abraham and to Isaac. Jacob was a little different. Uh, he was known as a trickster and known as a struggler and known as a, a person that had some issues. And, 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 and the Bible lets us know an interesting story that one day he was wrestling with an angel. It's an interesting passage because at the end of it, the Bible talks about how he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Are you with me? His new name is now Israel. Israel has around 12 sons, and one of those sons' name is Joseph. Joseph then takes the children, or all of his brothers, end up in the land of Egypt during a time of famine. And the Bible lets us know that they went in a family, the children of Israel. But over time, they had multiplied so significantly that the nation of Egypt said, we cannot allow this family to overtake us. So they enslaved those individuals, that, that group of people, that, that family, and they enslaved them for over 400 years. They went in a family. And they're now such a large group of people, they're now considered a nation, the children of Israel. They were brutally abused in the hot sun. They, they had been in that position 
for so long that if you were to think of it 400 plus years that these individuals were under the oppression of the Pharaoh and, and the taskmasters, task, task all of those years. 400, I want you to get in perspective what 400 years even is. The United States isn't even 300 years old. That means that generations have passed, grandmothers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-grandmothers and uncles and mothers, and they, they've passed on, meaning that the people who knew what freedom was really like ain't even alive anymore. They don't even know anything about what freedom is. They don't know anything without the Pharaoh. They don't know anything without long days in the sun. They don't know anything about not being burdened with being abused and being beaten and being rationed food. They, they don't know nothing about it. And how many of you know that the, that the longer you're in it, the harder it is to believe you'll ever get out of it? I was reading not long ago, I love history, and I was reading a book not long ago called 30 Years a Slave by a man named Lewis Hughes. And he was born in Virginia, and he was sold to slavery from his mother as a young boy around seven years old. They didn't tell him. They just sold him. And he said goodbye to his mother thinking he was going to see her that afternoon, never saw her again. He was shipped to Mississippi, and when he was here, he was shipped into Alabama and shipped over to Memphis and all of these places. In 30 years, this young man was enslaved, and for five different times, I read this book in one day, it was so fascinating, five different times this man tried to escape from his taskmasters, five different times. And he said something in the book, he wrote the book, autobiography, he says something in the book that got my attention. He said what he noticed was that the old slaves didn't try to escape anymore. He said it was the young slaves that tried to get away. Because he said the old slaves have been in that position for so long. And they used to have their hopes up. And they used to dream of freedom. And they used to think about getting away. But they had given up hope and thinking anything would ever change. Isn't it the truth the longer you're in it? The longer you're in that struggle in your marriage, it's hard to believe that it could ever change. The longer you struggle with your teenager, now they're in their 20s and, and you thought it was going to stop when they got married and then you thought it was going to be over when they had kids and, and, and they still struggle with the same stuff. And you could have believed God easier when they were in their teenage years, but now we have gone a long time and little Johnny still struggles with alcohol and this kid still struggles with lying and my marriage still struggles with this and that it's just hard to believe that anything can change after 400 years. Am I talking to anybody on a Sunday morning who knows what it's like to have to look at something and know that this has been here a long time? The Bible says that the children of Israel, they cried out to God in their oppression, in their struggle, in their, in their trouble, and in their fight. And we jump up to Exodus chapter 3, and we find that God speaks to a random man in the wilderness who is watching some sheep by the name of Moses. 
You know the story that God lights a bush on fire. It is not consumed. And the scripture says that, that God begins to speak to Moses. And in that place, Moses talks to God. And God reveals himself to him. And he informs Moses that I have a people and I have a purpose for them. In fact, he says something so powerful. I love this. That right in your Bible, God tells Moses, he goes, I have heard, excuse me, he said, I have seen the affliction of my people. He said, I have heard their cry. And then he says, I know their suffering. Can I tell you today, aren't you glad that you have a God who sees you, who hears you, and knows you? God tells Moses that these people who have been in this oppression for over 400 years, 400 years, I, I hear from them, I, I, I see them, I know them, and Moses is standing there listening, and God says, and I have a plan. He said, I have come down, and Moses is like, good. And then God tells Moses, and I'm sending you. Isn't it interesting that when we want God to do something supernatural, that he still chooses to work through people that we may not expect? And Moses then gets irritated and starts to have rebuttals and excuses. In fact, the Bible shares with us about eight excuses that Moses comes up with, saying that I'm not the man to go free the people in bondage after 400 years. But he says something. He goes, God, what would I say if I just show up, what do I even tell him? And God tells him, he says, you just tell him that I am sent you. Just tell him that I am sent you. Just tell him that I am sent you. That, that's, that's plenty enough. But then at the end of chapter 3, this is, this is what he says in verse 16. He goes, go gather the elders. This is God speaking to Moses. Go gather the, the elders of Israel. Go grab the older generation and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, <laughs> the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, your, your namesake, Israel, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise. <laughs> that I will bring you up and out of the affliction of Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey. And I promise. And I promise. And with that word, this new commissioned pastor takes his staff, I'm not talking about paid staff, Takes his stick. <laughs> takes his brother, Aaron, and he goes to the Pharaoh. You know the story. He goes to the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh tells him, no. He comes back again and says, let, God told me to tell you to let my people God, I think it's funny that God wanted him to know they ain't your people in the first place, Pharaoh. They're my people. You got to let them. You got to let them go. 
And Pharaoh says, no, and, and what happens next? There's plagues sent, there's frogs and lice and, and, and crickets, and it's just straight up Mississippi all over the place. <laughs> and finally, at some point, we get down to the last spot. We got down to the Hail Mary Pass. Moses, I'm sure, is tired. The children of Israel are wondering. Pharaoh is hardened. He will not give up the people of God without a fight. And watch what happens next. The Bible lets us know that God speaks to Moses. Ooh, this is my favorite one. He, God speaks to Moses, and he says, now I want you to tell everybody to take the blood of a lamb, put it on all the doorposts. And the Bible lets us know that God says, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And he goes into Egypt, and the Bible says that the firstborn of every home died. Think about this. The Bible says there wasn't one home where someone didn't die. But in the Israelite camp, if they had the blood over the door, ain't nobody going to die. Can I tell you, the devil can't cross the bloodline. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but when he sees the blood, and, and what happens next is Pharaoh throws a fit, because the Bible says Pharaoh's boy died, and Pharaoh is now done. The straw that broke the camel's back. He's exhausted, he's done with it, he's tired of it, and he calls Moses and he says, take all the people, get out of here. I want nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with Aaron. I want nothing to do with the children of Israel. It's time for you to go. Months, they believe. Some believe it could have been up to a year of plagues, but they, they were fighting this battle, and the day has finally come. God said, I promise I'm going to get you out of there. It didn't come easy. It didn't come quickly, but it came. The Bible lets us know this is, this is where we find ourselves. In the text I just read to you, that when they're on their way out, the Bible says that God wouldn't take them a certain way. Specifically, he wanted to take them a certain way to the Red Sea. And so while they're going, isn't it interesting? God just knows what he's doing. And God takes him to the Red Sea. Moses has a million people behind him. And they're marching. And no doubt they're jubilant. No doubt they're excited. This is the day their ancestors spoke of. This is the day that their grandparents talked about. They used to talk about how great, 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 great grandpa had a word from God that he was going to make a nation out of us and he was going to take us to a land of Canaan and we knew it was going to happen and we knew the time has come. And then in a moment, they're looking at the Red Sea in front of them and the Bible lets us know that, the, that, the, that Pharaoh's army has decided we're not going to let them go. And now they change their mind. And what we find is that the Pharaoh is furious. 
and he starts to chase the people of God. The Bible says that they that they he drew near and Israel lifted up their their eyes. The oppressor Pharaoh, who all of them knew, who all of them feared, who all of them were enslaved by, controlled by, he's coming after them. And they got water in the front, and they can't get through it. And they got Pharaoh in the back, and they can't get by him. And the scripture lets us know that they look through their eyes. They watched with their eyes and they became fearful with what they could see. Stay with me for a moment. Sometimes Pharaoh, sometimes Pharaoh comes after you not because of what you've done, but because of where you're going. Sometimes the enemy is after you not because of something you've done wrong. Maybe it's because of something you're doing right. The enemy doesn't want you see, to see you leaving and heading toward the promised land that God has for you. The devil doesn't want to see you at church this morning. The devil doesn't want you to see you praying with your wife at night. The devil doesn't want you to see you to see you open your word in the morning and praying. That's the last thing Pharaoh wants to see. So what he's going to do is that he's going to get mad and he's going to try to chase you down. He's going to try to discourage you and frighten you. And the last thing the enemy wants for you is freedom. Who am I preaching to today? That's why when you feel like you're doing so good, it's like the devil just turns up the heat and you take one step forward and it feels like you take two steps back. I've come to tell you today, Pharaoh's mad and he don't want you where you're headed, but I've come to tell you today, you better straighten your spine and tell the devil I ain't backing up. As for me and my house, we're leaving Egypt. Can I get a big amen this morning? Not only do we see that the Pharaoh was furious, the next thing we see is that the Israelites were fearful. The Bible says they looked with their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And watch what they said. We should disdain in Egypt. I don't want, this is, there was, were there not graves in Egypt? I'd rather die there than die here. Isn't it crazy that when you're under some significant pressure, the things that will come out of your mouth, am I talking, don't leave me up here all by myself. I know you're crazy like I'm crazy. Have you ever listened to yourself and been like, did I just say that? And, and, and here's the reality, that when you're under pressure, the enemy has a way of romanticizing where you come from. When you're under pressure, it'd be like, you know, me and Pookie, we weren't too bad together. No, Pookie used to beat you. But when, when the bills ain't paid, you start thinking, you know what, me and Pookie, we weren't too bad together. No, no, you were bad together. But pressure has a way of making you think the past was good. When you need to remember what God has brought you from, ain't nowhere compared to where he's bringing you to. Started talking crazy. Started thinking stupid stuff. Started talking out of their head. And what you find next, the Bible says that Moses speaks up. Every family 
Every nation, every church, every business, every community needs a Moses to speak up. That will just settle crazy stuff down when everybody's acting up. And watch, the Bible says that the, the Pharaoh's furious, uh, that the people, the Israelites are fearful. But watch this. Uh, Moses is focused. Moses is focused. He looks at him and says, fear not. Goes into dad mode on everybody. He goes, stand firm. He goes, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. And then I love that he throws this in. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I love that part. Let me pause it. He went like dad mode in a drive-thru. Everybody shut up. Come on, dads, you know what I'm talking about. You're just trying to give your kids a happy meal, and everybody got the gift of speaking in tongues and preaching and like, shut up. And the church said, I love it. It, it doesn't really sound that spiritual. He goes, God's going to do something. All you got to just be quiet. I just got to think. Ain't that the truth? And watch what happens. I need you to, I read this and never saw this. What would make Moses say that with such confidence? Because the Bible doesn't let us, there's something the Bible doesn't tell us. Now, we know the story. We've seen the movie. We know Charlton Heston. That's for the older people that didn't watch Prince of Egypt. We know what happens next. We know that in a second, Moses is going to take the staff and going to part the waters supernaturally by the power of God. We know that. But Moses didn't know that. How could Moses say that with such confidence that God was going to do something and he didn't know the next step God was going to take? How did, the very next verse, the very next verse, God tells Moses what to do. But Moses didn't know it before he said all that to the children of Israel. This is what it looked like. You, you're going to be the Red Sea. God is getting on to the, or Moses is getting on to his church people saying, all right, guys, God's going to do something great. Now shut your mouths. And then he turns around. He's like. You got to think Moses saw the th same thing they saw. Moses felt the same things they felt. But Moses didn't speak how they spoke. Could it be because he remembered what they forgot? Chapter 3, verse 17, when he said, I promise that I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I promise, I promise I'm going to take you. Moses didn't have, notice this, Moses didn't have a written contract. Moses didn't have it in writing. Moses didn't have anything. He didn't have a witness. He didn't have a handshake. He didn't have a notary. He didn't have an attorney. All he had was faith in what God said. 
I'm going to get you there. The Bible says that he puts his own word above his own name. That means that the Bible also says something like this, that he is not a man that he should lie. In other words, if God told me that I'm coming out of Egypt, baby, take it to the bank. The Egyptians I see today, I'm never going to see them again. If God said I'm going to be blessed, I'm going to be blessed. If God said that he's going to make a way in the wilderness, I'm going to bless God all the way through the wilderness and know that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I may ask or think, even if it ain't in writing. I know it by faith. Come on, 90. Who am I preaching to today? That you know you've had to walk by faith. Everybody else is panicking. Everybody else is worried. Everybody else is fearful. But I have come to tell you today, sometimes all you have is faith. I got to trust what he said more than what I see. And Moses is so cool and so calm and so collected. It's almost like he knew that he didn't bring me this far. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost like he knew that, that I didn't come this far. I, I met him at the bush. He, didn't, he told me that we're going to get out of this. And even though I see water on the front and I see Pharaoh in the back, I know what he said, and I trust what he said, and I'm going to tell you, he did, if he could take me, if he could get me out of Egypt, he can keep me away from Pharaoh. That's when you know, hear me today, your faith is tested. Because faith is when you choose to live by what you know about God, rather than what you know about your circumstance. I need you to catch that. Faith is choosing to trust what you know about the God you serve rather than what you know about the circumstance you're in. Yeah, but Pharaoh's army's big. Yeah, but that water's deep. Yeah, but my marriage, Pastor Ethan, you, this sermon's cute, but, but you don't know. The bank said this, and... and hurt words and people fighting and I'm feeling discouraged and I've dealt with suicidal thoughts. If you only knew how big it is in front of me, if you only knew how big it is behind me, I don't know where to go. And when the Egyptians, when they looked with their eyes, they were afraid. But Moses didn't look with his eyes. He knew something in his spirit. And I've come to tell you today, I've come to tell you today, you don't fight with your eyes. You fight with your spirit. You're going to have to know there's going to be times that I can't look at what I see. I'm just going to have to know what he said. The Bible says it like this, that the just shall live or shall walk by faith and not by sight. That means I don't need to see what's happening in front of me. My God, I feel like preaching like this for a minute. I don't need to see what's in front of me. I do need to see for a minute. I don't need to see what's in front of me. I don't need to look at what's behind me. 
I don't need to know where the check is coming from. If my God said that he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, that's just what he said. I don't need to know where the miracle's coming from. But I know that God is a miracle worker. I don't need to know where the miracle's happening, how it's going to take place. I just need to know that my God can make a way when there is no way. I don't know how God's going to get me out of this. But I can hear him saying in his word, for this situation or this situation, How's that verse go? It's coming to me. For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, shall work for you a more, far more exceeding way of glory. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but some of us have been looking too long at some things, and you're getting scared, and you're getting fearful, and the Lord got me in this, this pulpit this morning. I had to sit in the back, because I'm not supposed to be shaking any hands today. I had to go sit in the back, and I've been stirring in my spirit to tell somebody, you stop looking at it, and you stop being afraid of it, and you stop being scared of it, and you just know, greater is he that's in me. Greater is the God of my heart. God has got my Back. I'm not the same joker I was back in Egypt. I've got a calling on my life, and I'm coming out of Egypt. Come on, is there anybody know that if God promised it, you take him at his word? No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. If you raise those kids in the house of God, you take him at his word. You trust what he said. There's nothing impossible with God. I'm trying, dog. Is there anything too hard for God? Stop looking at it. Stop letting it control your emotions. Stop thinking it's going to end and what we going to do. Don't forget, I am the Father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God, and I promise. I promise. Not the bank didn't promise it. I like you, Tanner, but you didn't promise it. Your stepdaddy didn't promise it. We're talking about God promised it. How different would you act if you knew what God promised? How different would you flow? How would you live? How would you breathe? How would you work? How would you walk? If you just trusted who God said he was. Don't look at it. Watch what happens next. Exodus chapter 14, 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened the path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all, all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I told you I'd get you out of there. With walls of water on each side. i got to wrap this thing up. But God suspended natural law to do a miracle to fulfill the promise that he gave. God don't need our conditions to work right for him to do what he wants to do. Watch this. Verse 23, and the Egyptians, all of, of the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot, charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. Not a good idea. Verse 25, he twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. 
Watch what they said. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, God's chosen people. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Mm, somebody's got a prophetic word. Someone's picking it up right. Verse 26, when all the Israelites reached the other side. I love that. I've come to tell you today, you're going to get to the other side. The Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back over the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. Verse 28. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers and the entire army of Pharaoh, all, excuse me, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. The Egyptians you will see today, you will never see again. Pharaoh was furious. The Israelites were fearful. Moses was focused. And the Lord was faithful. I don't know what has been scaring you. What doctor's report you've been looking at. What thing you've been feeling in your life. What thing's been keeping you up at night that scar in your heart, that struggle in your life. The devil has a way of making that thing so much bigger than God. And faith is putting it in its proper perspective and reminding yourself, is there anything too hard for the God that you serve? Is there anything all these years you've been serving God, has God ever let you drown with the Egyptians? Has God ever dropped the ball with you? Are you the first person God just gave up on? I've come to tell you today that, that he always causes us to triumph. He always, he hasn't lost your nothing. I'm always going to make this work. All things going to work together for the good. And if you've been overwhelmed, See what time it is. Are we good? If you've been overwhelmed and something's been chasing you, you feel Pharaoh breathing down your neck. You see water deeper than you could imagine in front of you. You don't know where to turn, where to go. I want you to do me a favor all over the room as you're comfortable. I want you to raise your hands and say, Pastor Ethan, that's me. I'm fighting a Pharaoh in my life. I'm I got some strong, I got some stuff on my mind. I got some stuff on my heart. I got some stuff that I need God to, to show up in. I, I need God to suspend the laws of nature and show up and show out in my life. I am overwhelmed. I need your help, God. As Pastor Tyson and the team sing, well, they ain't even up here. Where you been? <laughs> Good thing he wasn't in Pharaoh's army. We would have been fine. <laughs> Taking that long to get out of here. 
I'm just kidding. I want to speak over you today and tell you the enemy you see today, the thing that's overwhelming you, things can happen in a moment. And God could step into that situation. But you and I got to choose which eyes we're going to look through. Hostetters got to choose what they're going to look at for this next season, this next step. You got to choose which eyes you're going to look through. You can look through the eyes of fear. You can be scared. You can be afraid. Or you could choose to say, you know what? Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. I don't know what else to tell you but to trust God. I can't promise you everything's going to change when you walk out this door. But I can promise you your perspective can change before you walk out of that door right now. With hands raised all over this room. I want you to tell him I trust you. Sometimes it feels like life's surrounding you. Sometimes it feels like things are around you and trying to choke you and take you out. But I've come to tell you today, it may look like you're surrounded, but we're surrounded by something much greater, much bigger than the enemy's forces. There's something great. I remember that, let me say this, some came to me. I remember reading in the, the story of Peter, Bible tells him Jesus is walking on water. Remember that story? Jesus walking on water. And then the Bible says something crazy. Peter yells out of the boat. How many of you know this story? Don't make me read it. He says, he says, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come out to you. Bid me to come out to you. Which is King James for saying like, I want to come out there. And Jesus says, one word, come. And when he says that, the Bible says that Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. Can I tell you today, here's what we got to understand. Peter ain't walking on water. Peter's walking on a word. He, he's got his mind on when Jesus said, come. The power of walking on a situation is trusting what he said, not what you see. The Bible says when he saw the waves and he heard the wind, that's when he began to sink. So I've come to tell you today, the only way you're going to get through what you're getting through, the only way you're going to get through the water or walk on the water is when you start walking on what he said. He said, I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. I'm walking on what he said, not what I see. Come on, let's worship the king. Let's worship the king all over the room. I pray victory over your house. I pray miracles over your house. Come on. Come on. You declare over your life. I'm going to see victory.
may not be for everybody, but I want to challenge somebody who's willing to walk without understanding. Walk in faith. You don't have, you don't have any, you don't have any uh, evidence that things are going to work out for the good yet. You, you don't know if the water's going to part. You don't know if the water's going to hold you, Peter. You, you don't know. But I want to challenge somebody. It may only be two or three of you, but that will just step out of your seat and walk to the front by faith. You don't know where the victory is, but you just know that I walk by faith and not by sight. If you're willing to come and declare to yourself, I'm standing even when I don't see the answer. I'm going to make a move even when I don't know where to turn. I'm going to trust God even when I don't know where to stand. God is still good to me when I don't know what to think, when I don't know what to pray, when I don't know where to go. I'm walking by faith. 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 God like that. Why you got to do all that? When you walk by faith, you don't necessarily praise God only when you see God make a way. When you have faith, you just praise God because you know He can make a way. <laughs> He's got such a good credit score 
that I don't even need to see the evidence of what he will do just yet. I just need to know that he is able to do what I didn't expect him. He may pause water. I don't know what he's going to do. I may get a phone call today that says that the lung transplants can come. I don't know. I just know that our God, is there anything too hard for the God we serve? Is there anybody? One last time in this room that will praise God like you lost your mind and let hell know that I don't care what Pharaoh says or how deep the water is. If you promised it, I'm coming out. facing some things that have got them scared, that have got them worried, that have got them wondering. And I pray, God, that they'll turn their eyes unto the hills whence cometh their help. I pray that you are the glory and the lifter of their head. They don't have to be fearful. They don't have to be afraid. I'm reminded of the verse that says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. This season, Father, I pray, I feel a unique anointing today. I pray, God, do something unique today, that when they leave this place, they're going to know that you can still part the waters. <laughs> and you're going to look back and say, did I just walk through water? Did I just cross through fire and not get burned? Did I, didn't, I don't even smell like smoke. I don't know how God did that. But all you did was change the way you see it. And God began to move on your behalf. I pray miracles, signs and wonders. A sign from God that will make them wonder. This week, I pray water part and Pharaoh drown. And today, what we used to see every day, we'll never see again. In Jesus' name, if you believe it today, put your hands together. Before you go back to your seat, before you go back to your seat, if you're in the room today, I don't like closing service, especially when the anointing is flowing. Especially when the anointing is flowing. The anointing is flowing. That, that's, a, that's something the church is losing, by the way. Is losing the anointing. And I don't want to pastor a church that don't like the anointing. It's not my thing. I won't stay. It's not my thing. I need it. God's looking for people that like that thing in the room that we cannot manufacture with our own abilities. You understand? That's what's happening. But if you
if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, you, you've drifted away. You, in fact, you couldn't even follow the sermon. You don't know what's happening. But since you've been in this room, you have felt the drawing of God to get your life right with God once and for all, to stop running, whatever it is. I just want to ask the question, if you're in this room right now, I need you to include yourself in this prayer. You don't want to walk out of this room. I, I think there's a lot of people that would agree with me that, that, that you don't want to walk out of this room without knowing Jesus. Can I get a big amen? So if you don't know Jesus, you've drifted away from him, can I tell you today, he died for you. He's taken all of us out of spiritual Egypt. We're on our way to the promised land. But until then, we got some pharaohs to fight. But I believe there's some people still in Egypt today. And I pray the blood be applied to your do doorpost. And that you can walk out of this building knowing that you're on your way to heaven. If you today, hear me, if every person in this room, you know you're on your way to heaven, I want you to raise your hand. Know you're on your way to heaven. Okay, awesome. For every one of you that didn't and couldn't raise your hand, I want to pray with you right now with eyes closed all over the room. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new. Take me out of Egypt. I'm ready for a new season. I'm ready for a new day. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. Give me new life. Be my leader. Fill me, lead me, teach me guide me in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, give God a big.